Hello, I am so excited that you're here for this episode of the Rebel Careers podcast because I have had the most amazing chat with the incredible Kelly Gentry. Kelly is a swimmer, coach, boat pilot and water lover from California with over 25 years spent in and around the water. She delivers elite level coaching, training and safety support to swimmers of all ages, abilities and experience levels. And in her early 20s, while her friends were pursuing what society dictates as a normal career, Kelly started to create her rebel career, buying a one-way ticket to Europe, securing a job as a swim guide in the Mediterranean and deciding to settle near the beautiful city of Dubrovnik in Croatia, where she spent the past eight years. Now back in San Francisco, Kelly runs her own coaching company and thrives off helping swimmers uncover their inner potential and challenging themselves to distances they never thought they could. In this episode, we dive into how Kelly managed to resist doing what she felt society dictated she should be doing, how a rebel career can sometimes feel like you're cheating the system, and the challenges she's faced along the way. So I really hope you love this episode. Don't forget, if you'd like more help and support to create your rebel career and take the steps you know you need to in order to get where you want to go, then head over to my website, www.sarahhuntley.com forward slash podcast, where you can download your free 12 page PDF rebel careers action plan workbook. You are listening to the Rebel Careers podcast with me, Sarah Huntley. I'm the founder of Rebel Careers and I'm living my own rebel career as an entrepreneur, adventurer and traveller. In this podcast, I will be talking with you about how you can tear up the traditional career rulebook, redefine success on your own terms, inspire you to think outside the box and encourage you to take bold action. Each week, I'll be sharing insights, inspiration, and mindset strategies so you can start living the life you've always wanted. Hello, I am so excited you're joining me for this episode of the Rebel Careers podcast as we have someone very special. Uh, We have Kelly Gentry here with us. And Kelly, I'm so excited you're here. Ah, hello, hello. I am too. I'm honored to be asked to, to join you today, Sarah. I know, my very first recording. So thank you for bearing with me while I'm working out the tech. You need to record a podcast, which is quite mind-blowing. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on, Kelly. And I am so, so excited to chat with you today because you are someone that lives an incredible life, um, a, a literal life of travel and adventure. Um, and we met back in 2019 in Slovenia, of all places, where we were both working for Swimtrek, uh, an open water swimming company for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and since then, every time I speak to you, you're doing something new, you're in a different location around the world. Um, and it's really, really inspiring to me. And I know it will be for my listeners as well. So today, I'm, re- I'm super excited to dive deep in this episode into your story, where it all started and the journey you've been on and like where you are now, because I know there's so much to unpack. Uh, so let's get let's get into it. Let's get into it. Why not? So yeah, Kelly, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Give us the intro, who you are, where you're from, all that good stuff. 
All right. Um, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. My, I'm Kelly. My name. I'm oh, already already getting flustered and too excited. Um, I am from California, which is where I'm at currently. And I am. If you want to think anything in the water, that's usually what I'm involved with. Uh, primarily, I am a an open water swim coach and. I help develop swimmers of all levels and try to help inspire them to push kind of their boundaries and, and help them, enable them to swim distances they never thought that they could. And it might seem sometimes a little bit trivial to do these swimming things, but it is such a rewarding career because I get to help people be their best and do things that they never imagined that they could. And it's inspiring every single day. Amazing. And like your location right now, uh, you're right by the water, aren't you? Which is very uh, apt for this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm, so I'm, I've got San Francisco Bay behind me. So I'm really, really fortunate to snag a, a little apartment right on the water, which uh, doesn't ever happen around here in this part of the world, um, unless you're living the, the high life, um, making the big bucks. But I was just really fortunate in the right place at the right time. And luckily, was inspiring to my landlord. They're like, we like you, well, we wanna put you here. You'll appreciate the water more than most. I was like, okay. <laughs> Fine by me. <laughs> so yeah, as I touched on, like we met a few years ago in Slovenia and I'd heard a lot about you before I met you. I heard that you'd been, you're obviously American, but you've been living abroad for a few years. You've been working for Swimtrack for I think about seven, eight years at that time. And I was like, wow, who, who is this legend? Tell me more about her. So yeah, tell me about your career. Like I know you're open water swimming coaching. You're also a boat pilot. You're a swimmer yourself. Like where did it all start? Did you go to kind of college and, and do all this or were you doing something different? Take, take me back. Take me back and tell me the story. So I have always been a swimmer um, my whole life. And I started coaching swimming when I was just 14. Actually, the coach that I had at the time, she brought me into it to teach kids because my mom was a single parent and she, my coach was my drive to practice. So she would pick me up. She says, I'll pick you up and take you to practice, but you need to coach these swimmers with me before your practice. And so I started coaching then. And so I think it was always something I did. And then um, being in California, it's always just natural to be on the water. So became a lifeguard as well. So coaching and lifeguarding was, were my first jobs and I loved them and they were so much fun. Just be out in the water all day long, you know, in the sun, can't complain. I eventually went to school and to university and I started studying environmental science, which uh, now, you know, in hindsight, was not ever my passion. I, uh, you know, just thought, well, it would, it, I liked it. I like it, it sounds interesting. It'll be a good progression. And then I also, at the time, I was still coaching through college and my mom asked me if I was gonna be a lifeguard and a swimmer forever. And I was like, oh no, no, that's not acceptable. Um, I didn't think I would ever continue doing that or even building upon it. But then once I finished school, I, it was a tough job market. I was still always coaching. I've never not been a coach. It just evolved the types of teams. I went from high school coaching to master's coaching, so adult coaching. And it was always just there and always something I was good at and it was passionate about. And then I just picked up jobs along the way to continue to build it. And somehow I've ended up here. 
which is what we're going to get into, I think. So you went to university. I know in, in the US you call it school, school. Yeah. Um, and you were swimming, you were coaching, you were playing water polo, um, studying environmental science, which, yeah, I, didn't, I did not know until today. So yeah. a bit of a curveball. Um, but you did, so you chose that because you felt like it would be, I'm doing little air quotes here, a good career, like a good choice, um, kind of. Yeah. It, it was fairly interesting. Um, and you went to study at University of California, didn't you? Which sounds very glamorous to me. <laughs> and then, and then, so take me to like you graduated, and what were what were your thoughts then, post graduation, um, in terms of kind of jobs and and where to go from there? I think it was, you know, this promise. I think, especially in the American sense, that okay, you go to school and your life—that's your future. You're setting yourself up for a good future, and then. I got out of school and I could not get jobs. It was like you'd search for them, you'd apply for them. They required years of experience, even for entry-level jobs. And so you kind of sit there wondering, how am I going to ever get into a market like this? And so they have internships, which are great. And you're like, cool, I'll do an internship. Um, and except that they'd want 40 hours of your time each week. And a lot of it was unpaid. And I was sitting there looking at the cost of my rent, the cost of my school loans. And I'm like, I'm now an official adult because I, you know, I've gone through school <laughs> and I can't figure out how to make this work. And I'm, I have no clue. So I, I picked up, I was still doing two coaching jobs at the time. I was coaching university water polo actually, and then masters swimming. And so that wasn't paying the bills. And then I was trying to have a big girl job, a proper job. And that wasn't coming to fruition at the time either. And I was kind of flustered. So I picked up nannying jobs and au pair jobs uh, because it at least paid the bills. And so, but then I, I still couldn't get my foot in anywhere, basically. And so I'd reached this point where my mom was like, you're completely unhappy. Why don't you just go away and like leave this space, leave this area and just go do something different. And I was kind of like, what? Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> Can I do that? <laughs> and so then I guess, so to come to Europe, like I try to fast forward a little bit. So I was thinking, okay, how do I get abroad? How do I, you know, for some reason, my brain didn't go to anywhere else in the US, even though that would have been a more valid opportunity I think plenty of opportunities there's 49 other states that I could have like been like hmm, I can go elsewhere but my brain jumped to Europe because a couple of years prior I'd been on this open water swimming holiday to Greece and called swim trek and so I was like well swim treks in in Europe like I'll just look them up and see if they're hiring because I know swimming I know this stuff and Sure enough, they were hiring uh, as a role in their office for a customer manager, a relations manager. And so I applied for it and I was, you know, sent the official resume and CV, everything, feeling this is my, the new start to my career. This is a proper career. And then I got, um, received a, a response from the owner of the company and he kind of had a good old chuckle because he was kind of like, well, you need to be here like tomorrow. We do need to fill this role and you're not British. And hold on, you're from California. Do you really want to come here to Brighton to live? It rains here a lot. <laughs> what if I send you to Greece and you be a guide for our company instead and spend the summer on a yacht in Greece? And I was kind of like, that sounds a little bit nicer, actually. 
That's amazing. Yeah, tough choice yeah. between uh, yeah an office in Brighton and a boat in Greece. So, so yeah. you'd met um, Simon, who runs Swim Track, hadn't you? When you went on a holiday uh, back in back as a teenager, and yeah, um, yeah your mum suggested uh, you know go abroad, do something different, um, and just get out of the environment you're in, which I think can be hugely powerful. Um, and it yeah. just encouraged you to go, you know, think outside the box a little bit. So yeah, you you applied for an office job. Uh, they they thought no, that's not for her, and sent you off to be a guide in Greece. And how was that transition away from the US? You were obviously still quite young, weren't you, post university, yeah. to then go and work for this company out in Greece? How was that? Well, I think oh, it was unreal. It was just kind of like you know, I you felt like it was going to be this big career. To, I think sorry, I think to think the American way of of what we think our future, we think career as this life changing, this long, you know, timeline of a thing. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is a new career step. And I'm going to build this now going out as a guide without really truly thinking of what that was even going to be. And it turned out it was only actually going to be for like four months. And then I was kind of like, oh, okay. Um, and I didn't get sent to Greece. I was actually really fortunate. I ended up getting sent to Croatia and Montenegro, which were huge places for me because I was a water polo player and they're infamous and they're the most um, famous water polo players in the world. So I was like, okay. Um, and then, but basically I just decided instead of putting this pressure on of coming back to the US after this little four month stint that I was like, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm just going to see what I get out of it. Um, and, you know, when I, and then I was supposed to be coming back in October or November. And I remember speaking to a guest of ours, actually, who um, happened to be German. And it was just more, he was, and I only bring that up because he was like, well, what's your plan? And I said, what do you mean? He says, you go back after you know, after the season, and then what's your plan? And I was kind of like, I don't have one. I'm when I get back to the States, I'll figure it out. And he was really uncomfortable with that. But I was actually quite content with it, which I think was probably the first time not having a plan that it was the first time I felt content being that way, because usually I was always planned for the future. And so I was kind of like, hmm, maybe there's an opening here that not planning what it can what what it can do. Wow, and that's that's really interesting because I think his um, his viewpoint is how most people feel, isn't it? That we have security within a plan, we want to know where we're going, but like how many of us can actually predict the future and could have told like if you'd planned your career, where would you be yeah. now? Would you be doing what you're doing now, or is it because yeah. you've been quite <laughs> flexible with it and been able to like sit in that uncertainty, I suppose, and sit there. And I think sometimes then you're actually more open to opportunities, aren't you, when they come up? Because you don't have this like fixed, uh, like tunnel vision of where you're going. Yeah. You're more like, I'll yeah. see what I'll see what pops up, and if that appeals, I'll do that. So, yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that's a challenge in itself, being able to resist like societal pressure or even 
um yeah whether it's family or friends or you know <laughs> I find a lot of older relatives sometimes say oh you know when are you going to get a proper job when's the proper job yeah. and uh, being yeah. able to kind of feel even if you can justify it in the moment to not have that niggling feeling inside of going oh maybe I should maybe that's what I feel I should be doing um and how did you yeah obviously still quite young how did you resist yeah. that uh feeling of kind of doing what you felt you should be doing rather than kind of as you say like living without so much of a plan and just sort of going with the flow so I think at first I didn't and uh, I did come back to the states and then I went and I got a proper job and I got an office job and it was a nine to five it was actually a six to three because I worked east coast hours I would wake up at 4 a.m to get ready and commute for 45 minutes to get to work and I'd get to the office and I had a cubicle. I remember the first day I had my cubicle and I called my mom and I was excited. I was like, mom, I have a cubicle. I get to decorate it. And she gave me this like, oh, oh yeah, that'll get old real quick. And I was kind of like, oh no, I, like, I'm working with a good team. I'm doing this. And you know, and I, it actually was a good company to work with. I was getting full benefits. Healthcare was the major thing in the U.S. that you're like, cool, I can buy into a 401k. I had all these things that sounded adult. And yet I'd sit in this office every day enjoying the work I did. But I was like, I don't know what the weather's like outside. Uh, I still have to work two other jobs to support myself. I'd leave that job drive over the mountains, over the Santa Cruz mountains to get to the pool and I would coach master swimming and then I'd coach the university water polo team and I would finish by 10 o'clock. I'd drive home and I'd get home at 11 and I'd be up at four the next day. And then on the weekends I'd be coaching tournaments or going to swim meets. And so I just found myself in that, that, that was my day to day schedule. And then I didn't have time for myself. I didn't have time to work out, enjoy my own swimming or, you know, spend time with my friends and I kind of just decided this is not life I want to go back to Europe what can I do to do that you know and luckily swim trek was there and they offered me another opportunity to go out the next summer and I decided I'd buy a one-way ticket and so I did (laughs) wow so you sort of tried the uh, traditional career path I suppose once you come back from a few months in Europe um, of you know what I guess society often dictates that we should be doing um, and you felt no this isn't for me and often we have that gut feeling don't we before we can take action on something that just this isn't right this doesn't feel like me um, I don't want to spend my life doing this and then yeah to have the courage to go actually I kind of know what I love to do I know the elements of life that you know make me feel alive and I want to be near the water and I want to be in Europe and I want to be working with these type of people how can I get back to that I think that's so cool so you literally bought a one one way ticket right oh yeah (laughs) this is bonkers I love it (laughs) my family wasn't very happy with me they're like do you not have enough money can you not come back and and I was like no I I'm fine I just literally want to see if I could make it and I didn't have a definition of what making it meant I just had decided I'm gonna wing it I'm gonna see what I could find out there I think also what I what I chose to do is I looked at myself I looked at the skill set that I have had which to be honest sometimes I questioned my own skill set I didn't feel I had anything outside of the ordinary but this, what I did tell myself was, I know I'm capable enough and smart enough to 
if if things go wrong and I can't make it, I can co always come back. You know, I have a supportive network around me where I know I would be open with welcome arms. I'm not going to ever be homeless. And I think where I just decided was I would feel like more of a failure if I didn't attempt it and I didn't push through and just try. And that's all it was. I thought it would be, I, I think in reality, I didn't think it would be as long as it became, which eventually became like eight years or something. I think I thought it would be a few more months. I thought it'd be six to eight months of me bouncing around, figuring it out. And then I don't, you stayed open to things and, and personable and you meet people who latch on to that and then they help create new paths and they say, well, why don't you come this way? We could, we could do this with you and stuff. And so I think staying open and, and just to that was the biggest game changer for me. Wow. That's huge, isn't it? But in, in the time, the way you break it down, you were like, yeah, I've got a one-way ticket and I'm just going to see what happens. Like, and sometimes actually it sounds really negative, but thinking about the worst case scenario is almost the best thing to do. Cause you're like, if it doesn't work, I'll go home and I'll get a job or I'll go yeah. back to coaching in the US or whatever it is. You know, we're fortunate enough to be in that position where, as you say, you've got really supportive network. And if it doesn't work, then then you won't do it. And I think that sometimes stops a lot of people, this like fear of perceived failure, whether it's like setting up yeah. a business or traveling or changing career. Because you're like, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it doesn't yeah. work? Go back to what you were doing before or, you know, it's at least it's given you an opportunity to try something new. So I love yeah. that attitude. And I think sometimes that's easier to have when we're young younger and we don't have these lots of responsibilities or again I think societal pressure as you get older you feel like oh I should be established in what I'm doing I can't change now it's too late um but I think yeah there's never I don't think it's ever too late to be fair and yeah you like me have created what I think what the fashionable people call now a portfolio career so you're kind of yeah. you've got you know skills in many areas jack jack of all trades master of a few um and yeah as you say you didn't feel like you had like lots of skills and stuff but yeah what you do now you're like wow hang, hang on everything I've done today has equipped me so well to do what I do now um yeah. so that's awesome so actually by breaking it down thinking about like what what's the worst thing can happen okay I'm just going to go home if you know after the summer if it doesn't work out so what did happen you said you ended up staying for eight years and you were living out near Dubrovnik weren't you in Croatia I was yeah yeah so um, also, I think something that sort of spearheaded, I guess, the thought process, because that first summer I was working with Swimtrek, I worked with somebody and he was telling me, he was, I think, in his 50s, and he'd had all kinds of careers. And I remember listening to him being, telling in my head, saying, he's unfocused, he can't settle. And I knew that was that societal thing of like, we have to have one single job our whole lives and, and that security. And then when I had come back, I was actually reading this book that I had picked up in some random bookshop in San, in San Francisco. And it's now, become, it's so poignant because it's now my favorite book and I reread it every single year. And it was by Henry Miller. But it was an autobiography about when he'd moved to Big Sur after World War II. And Big Sur is a place in California that is kind of this, a paradise in it and that many would say. And it's, it's relatively untouched. It's a huge artist community. And so I think I, being Californian, I was kind of attached to that. But it actually ended up being less about his life and more about this method and way of looking at life that if you're trying to create a paradise, which I think we always have this image of what paradise is, uh, 
I think society tends to paint that picture for us. But what he really, within that book that inspired me and inspired, I think, my journey was that it was, if you can't see the paradise that you truly want just yet, like rather than just these open doors, he says, open a window, you know, open, do the little things to help create and build and paint your paradise much, you know, that the way you want it to be. And so stepping away from that societal pressure is incredibly hard, but I, I started thinking, okay, I'll do these bit by bit things. And so as I was kind of going through Europe, I was just kind of, again, I, I'd meet somebody and they would listen to my story or they'd see who I was. I was always kind. I was always more curious about other people, I think, than about my own life sometimes. And that opened doors always, basically. And so the way I ended up in Croatia actually was I was visiting a friend who was playing water polo professionally in the Netherlands and her coach was Croatian. And so I jumped in the pool with them and she tried, they tried to recruit me to play for them. And I was like, I don't want to live in a cold wintry place. I'm from California. I couldn't handle snow. And then he says, well, Croatia has this women's professional league. Like they need, especially, you know, women who played, not just younger girls. So he actually set up uh, an interview with one of the teams down in Croatia. And so I had gone back to Dubrovnik because I was dating a guy at the time there um, that was very short-lived. And then I was training at the pool in Dubrovnik and it wasn't the team that he'd set me up with. And so I was swimming and this man walks up to me while I was in the pool. He goes, who are you? And I was like, Kelly. <laughs> I had a few words of Croatian. I hadn't, you know, I didn't know the language. My name's Kelly. <laughs> He's like, you're a good swimmer. I said, okay. Um, and so I, I just said, oh, I'm going up to this place to, to play water polo. And he said, but we have a water polo team. Why don't you play for us? And they did have a water polo team. They're one of the most famous clubs in history for water polo. And so he said, come this afternoon and you can, you can try out for the team. So I did, and then they offered me a contract like on the spot uh, to stay there. And I was just thinking, I'm a coach, I'm a water polo coach back in California, and I'm getting an opportunity to play and also help coach in one of the most famous places for water polo in the world. This is unreal. Is this really happening? And I just decided to go for it. I was like, yeah, why not? You know? And so I stayed. And there were some visa issues which sent me away. I had to leave for a couple of months, which actually somehow brought me to other countries. And, and I did some work away things. Uh, if you're not familiar with work away, it's like a you work in place of accommodation and food. And so I ended up in France working on a ranch for a few months. I ended up in Serbia working at an eco hostel, trying to apply my environmental science stuff. And then, but ultimately, I came back to Dubrovnik and I came back to Croatia and back to the water, which was my passion and continue to build these opportunities <laughs> wow that is incredible and I just love that spirit and that attitude of like yeah let's just see what happens because if I think at the beginning if someone said to you yeah you bought your one-way ticket and you're actually going to stay for eight years you'd be like whoa okay hang on a minute that feels really overwhelming but as you said you did just break it down bit by bit and I love that analogy about if you can't build a door open a window like take a yeah. tiny tiny step it doesn't have to be something big because I think sometimes we can like 
overanalyze our decisions and choices and and feel like we've got to make a big grand gesture to make a change but sometimes as you say like it can be such a tiny change and then something comes of that and something comes of that and before you know you've lived in Croatia for eight years like what the heck (laughs) that's awesome so so how does your life uh look differently now because I know um over the last couple of years with with um the c word that shall not be named it's been tricky working in the tra- in the travel industry so so tell us a little bit about the last couple of years for you because i know you're you're based back in the us now sort of full time and how you kind of dealt with that obviously really challenging time um, and what life looks like for you now yeah oh man i mean it was hard it was um i got you know stuck in one country for in the uk for 5 months or so trying to get back to Croatia and because of because of the C word (laughs) (laughs) and um, I wasn't at the time I had an opportunity to come back to the States but it I didn't really have a place to go because my mom was working in public health and it was unsafe I think for me to come to her because she's like if you get me sick uh, it puts my nurses and whole staff at risk and so I kind of like okay I'll stay put Um, I wanted to get back to Croatia, but the borders were sealed. And so eventually I did make it back. I also had a dog there. So I was like, I can't go back to California if I'm not going without my dog. I can't just abandon her. Uh, I did make it back to Croatia. And I think that was kind of September, October of 2020, thinking like all of us around the world that, oh, it's just a few more months of this. Um, You know, we'll just keep, it's okay. It's just, we'll just put our heads down. And, you know, being in Croatia amongst the the people there, I think the way that their life is, the way that they live their life is so completely different from the U.S. You know, they've, my neighbor, who's, she was always reminding me, she says, you don't have to have all of this at once, like your career and a family and a relationships and, you know, the job. Like she says, you're, continue to build, but also the way they just, every single day the way that they looked at life like I had to remind myself like they've been through war and so I asked them they're like this is just like the war with things locked down and 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 having limitations you know they're like we're just making the best of it and spending time with people that matter and so it was this kind of thing that I was like oh right it's people that matter you know there's going to be jobs there's going to be careers and and we're going to turn a corner and unfortunately COVID went on a little bit longer and I decided you know, coming back to California would probably be the best solution. So I came back with the intent that I would go back. But then again, uh, I luckily had met somebody uh, who who owns Pacific's Open Water Swim Company several years before. And we had always been in communication and kind of chatting through coaching things and swimming things. And then I said, actually, I'm, I'm back for a bit. And she was, her name is Sylvia. She was like, what about if you come and partner with us and you bring your coaching skills to us and you know you get to pilot and help build marathon swimmers on San Francisco Bay and also Lake Tahoe? And I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, okay. Um, so then when I came back, I, I went and I got my Coast Guard captain's license. And so that's just also been another skill and another kind of game changer and, and step forward in the career that I just never thought was going to be capable coming from this little swim coach and everything. And so now I am in one of the biggest metropolitan areas with this huge, you know, open water following here. 
getting to work with swimmers of all ages and abilities, you know, do this. And, and, you know, it's, it's amazing to think two years ago, a year ago, I was leaving Croatia and now coming here, I floundered a bit. It was hard, definitely. But again, I had such an amazing community around me that reminded me of, Hey, yeah, there seems to be like a few common themes uh, and around what you're saying in terms of the people around you and how important they are, um, obviously for support and things like that. But also it sounds like a lot of your opportunities come, have come through your contacts and your network as well. So um, and I think sometimes when we don't feel like we know anyone in the industry we want to be in or we're not sure about the role we want to take on. It's just about getting in touch with someone who might know someone else or who might be doing that or might have some insight on that. And and I found that myself. Like it's all about relationship building and um yeah, just and I think, you know, with, with your role, especially with Swim Trek, you know, you're meeting so many interesting people, aren't you? Literally on a daily basis. Um and yeah, it's about maintaining, you know, those relationships and kind of putting it out there to the world as well, not being shy about saying, I'm looking to change or I'm looking to do something different because you never know where that support's going to come from and and for me as well like lots of my opportunities have come through like friends of friends or like random contacts on social media or someone like I set up a whole business based on a, a day of work experience I've done with someone eight years previously like what the heck um so it's just bonkers isn't it so I just wanted to yeah touch on that it's all about the people yes for support but also for um opportunities so Really, really interesting. But I want to ask you, I've got just a few more questions, if that's okay. So I'd love to know, like, what is your proudest moment of your career so far? I'm sure there have been many, but like, what is there, has there been a standout moment that you're like, yeah, I'm actually really proud of that? Yeah, um, I was trying, you know, I think a standout moment in itself, I don't know, I think every when I have those moments where I'm questioning what I'm doing and I think it's again it's because it's falling to the societal pressure that is it enough is it the right thing I look at I've, I've dealt with swimmers that you know have come to me after doing a swim whether it's a big marathon swim or it's a it's a mile swim and they where they've push through their boundaries and they've pushed through their what they thought their limits were and they've approached me in tears saying I never would have gotten through this without you and I think every single moment I've had with those swimmers are the, the reminders that I'm in the place where I need to be and I think in particular there was a man it was actually on a swim trek trip, trip um, and he had joined with his friend and he would swim maybe only about 500 meters a day and his friend was the was the actual swimmer and I always tried to be conscious of like you know if you don't have to swim a specific distance to call yourself a swimmer as long as you're in the water and you're moving from forward you're a swimmer and so I would try to encourage him to do a little bit more and then maybe he would kind of push himself a little bit but the final day we were doing this like three kilometer crossing so there was a crossing and then it was a circumnavigation of an island and so he said how long is it to the island and said it's it's about a kilometer and he goes okay i'm going to do that and i was kind of like yes okay and that would have like doubled what he'd done and so he got there and then he looked at me and he says i'm gonna go around a bit more and so he went and then he got a quarter of the way around and then he says, I'm going to keep going. I feel good. And he kept going. 
And then he got to like three quarters around the island and the rest of the group had already finished. And I called the other guide back to me and I said, we are not letting him on the boat. He is finishing this. He is getting around. And he kind of looked up at me and he said, I think I'll climb in the boat now. I said, absolutely not. You are not doing that. You are, look ahead. You can see the big boat. That's the boat you're climbing onto. And we had riled up the rest of the group and gotten them to cheer so he could hear them. He kind of put his head down and he reached the boat. And he was, I mean, everybody, the amount of emotion that was there was just this kind of, oh my gosh, this is, he's just done a three kilometer swim when previously he'd only done 500 meters. And he just, you know, came up and we were, I think we were all crying. <laughs> I was crying. I was kind of, I was so proud of him. But um, so it, it's those moments that remind me that I'm, I'm where I need to be and I'm doing things that are helping change people's lives because, I mean, I remember his story and I've met hundreds to potentially thousands of swimmers now. And I know that he is also probably remembering that moment. So, you know, that's, that's when I know that's probably one of my proudest moments of, of changing people's lives. And it's pretty cool to think that I somehow have that influence on people and ability to do so. That is awesome. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so someone's swimming, what, six times further than they've ever yeah. swum before. Um, and as a coach, yeah, what a testament to your coaching skills and your, um, yeah, you know, your belief in him. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. That's when you know you're, you're, you're in the right place when you can have that impact on people. And it feels so, so good, doesn't it? And it's not only swimming, but it's, you know, if he believes he can do something way, way more than he thought he could do in, in the water, like what else could he do in his life? And I think that's really powerful as well. Just showing people they've got so much more potential than they, than they think. Um, that's incredible. So yeah, I'm sure there's so many more proud moments as well. But uh, tell me, Kelly, um, what's been the most challenging kind of moment of your career so far? It sounds like there's been a lot of kind of crossroads, a lot of tough decisions to make, a lot of times where, yeah, you've probably felt that unease or that discomfort or I want to change something. But yeah, what's what would you say has been the biggest challenge? I think coming back to the States, I think it's been trying to stay within what I've been doing in some way or else, you know, try, because coming back here, the pressure to, you know, survive and the cost of living is insane. And so I think I started off looking again for office jobs and going back to exactly what I was avoiding for the last, almost last 10 years and what I tried to escape. And so I like, I luckily again was able to step back and be like, wait, hold on. I need to at least look at what I've done over the last several years and remember why I did what I did and now apply those lessons to what's going to, you know, come along and everything. And so, yeah, I think remaining within sometimes your passion uh, amongst the societal pressure is one of the hardest things mm -hmm. and amongst, you know, the word, especially around surrounding the word security um, that people say, well, that's not secure. That's not planning for a good future. And I think it's kind of saying, yeah, but again, I'm building a skill set and I'm building the abilities within myself every single day that my future is set because I'm doing those daily things and because I'm remaining true to myself. So that's been the hardest part is to stay on that course verse and not get pulled back onto 
you know, the course that people think you should be doing. Definitely. And I love it that something's worked so well for you for the last 10, 15 years. You're like, actually, that's what I'm going to carry on to doing. And it might not be the same as someone else. Um, and it is, you know, we all have those moments where we're like, I just want to pack it in. I want to get a proper job. I want to have that predictability and that yeah. security. But um, yeah, is that even that secure? Or is it just perception of being secure? So yeah, stay true to your passion. I think that's such a great that's such a great message. And um, yeah, look at your skill set and remember why you started in the first place for sure. Mm-hmm. And and you shared with me a quote earlier, which I thought um, on the back of having talked to you today really sums up um, how you have lived lived your life so far. Uh, I know you're only in your thirties, so let's not get carried away. But um, <laughs> and I wanted to share it with the listeners as well. So it's an Eleanor Roosevelt yeah. quote. So it goes, it goes like this, live life as an adventure. You've no security unless you can live bravely, excitingly, imaginatively, unless you can choose a challenge instead of competence. I was like, oh, that's what, that's what it's all about. And yeah, that, that sums up our conversation today for me. And I think what a great quote to live by. When you, when you look at life and you kind of think about, should I pursue this passion? Should I pursue something that just simply sounds interesting to me? And then, you know, you get you, the fear jumps in and it's kind of saying, well, but what if you fail? What if it doesn't work out? And so it's kind of looking at, well, yeah, I might fail at that. But then the alternative that I'm maybe confident at, maybe, you know, for me, it was the office job that could I do the office job? Well, yes. Could it give me some type of a security? Yes. But at the end of the day, was it creating a better version of me? Was it creating the life again that I wanted to see? No. So that choosing to challenge instead of just staying in that comfort zone has totally, you know, changed the way I've looked at things in life, like completely. (laughs) Wow, that's so cool. So, so off the back of that, my last question to you today is um, something I ask all my guests who come on the podcast, because I think it's really interesting. Um, And it's around what would your advice be to your 18 year old self with all the like the knowledge and skill and insight you've picked up along the way over the last few years, we won't we won't disclose how many years since 18. But yeah, what advice would you give your 18 year old self if you could have a little pep talk with her right now? I think, um, you know, I remember being 18 and thinking that, you know, you're trying to write your story and think about what path you're going to go down. And I think don't try to write it all then. Um, Don't try to write this really long and plan every single little thing. I think, of course, it's great to have a bit of structure and, and, you know, pursue a few things. But ultimately, you know, write your chapters day to day, year to year, and you'll really like allow the story to read it at the end. Don't plan your story in advance. And I think that's probably, I wish my 18 year old self would have kind of known because I was so worried that I was going to take the wrong step, that I was going to do something that was not going to set me up for a good future. And without even ever having the true thought of, of what I even wanted my future to look like. And so you know, allow it to happen as it happens. And, and not everything is going to last forever. Uh, chapters end and then but new chapters begin. And, and there's like you've mentioned very in the very beginning, it's never too late to change things if uh, things are going, you know, just if you're not growing from them. So continue to do that. 
Amazing. What great advice. So yeah, don't try and write your story at the beginning. Uh, just live it and, and read it backwards almost. So uh, there's another brilliant quote that came to mind when you were saying that about um, life is meant to be lived forwards and understood backwards. So often in the moment, like we don't uh, understand why things are happening or it doesn't really make sense. But then when you look back, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that does make sense or that does connect. So yeah, so just as yeah, and I think in that, another lesson that you've uh, really highlighted today is just staying open to opportunity um, and really connecting with people around you and being, you know, being open to trying new things. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But hey, you might have learned something from it as well. Yeah. So what uh yeah what a brilliant story and this is only you know this is only part of your story so thank you so much kelly that was amazing and i'm sure that will inspire a lot of people um to yeah to think about what they're doing and how they live their life and how they make decisions um which is really cool so yeah thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story um and if anyone wants to find you online where is the best place to find you yeah, you can find me at swimswell.com um, or on Instagram, I'm at swimswell open water or even at Pacific Swim Co. Uh, if you want to come out, swim out in San Francisco Bay, Alcatraz Swims, that's, those are the ones we run. And so, yeah, I would love to meet anybody who wants to come across and, and learn and push their, their swimming boundaries or, or have a chat. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, so we'll put all your links to websites and um instagram and all that all that good stuff in the show notes as well so go check out kelly uh it's a great account to follow if you like sunshine and water and swimming um so yeah kelly thank you so much it's been amazing chatting to you and i loved hearing your story today thank you it's been an honor to be a part of it i'm excited to see where you go with this too sarah i hope you've loved this week's episode of the rebel careers podcast if you want more help and support to create your rebel career and take the steps you know you need to in order to get to where you want to go, then head over to my website, sarahuntley.com forward slash podcast, where you can download your free 12 page PDF Rebel Careers Action Plan Workbook. The workbook will walk you through the Rebel Careers four step process to finding a fulfilling career in a creative and interactive way. So if you know there's more out there for you in your career and you'd like to explore what that could look like, then grab your free copy of the workbook now, sarahuntley.com forward slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at Rebel Careers. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share it with your friends. And if you can, leave me a review. It really helps other people find the podcast and I would be eternally grateful. I will see you next week for another episode of the Rebel Careers podcast.